It is, um, it is a blessing to be here with you all this morning. I was trying to think of, of some story that I could tell about, about Andrew here. Um, yeah, but that's the thing. See, if I tell a story, he's going to tell stories as well. So I decided not to tell anything. But um, no, no, I, I'm very thankful uh, to be here, very thankful for Andrew and for his passion to serve the Lord as well. Um, I'm going to start things off a little bit differently this morning than, than what I've, how I've, I've ever really started off before. And um, hopefully, if this turns out the way that I've planned it to, and if I follow my notes the way that I need to, um, it'll all make sense by the time we're done. But let's pray, first of all, and then we'll get started here. Father, I do thank you for the time that you've given this morning. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity you've given me to speak and to share your word, Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, would you strengthen me in this time, Lord, would you uh, guide me as I share the burden that you've put on my heart, and Lord, I pray that you would um, just use this time to work in the hearts of the people here and in my heart as well. I pray this in, in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to imagine with me that you are um, in a place far different um, than Shano, far different from Wisconsin, far different from the United States. Imagine with me that you are in a place where from the time you are born, um, there's little to no concept of freedom. There is a prevailing sense of fear throughout every day of your life. Fear of those around you, fear of your family, Fear that if you mess up, you'll be punished. Here in the, here in the States, we, we, we have, um, we have our, our freedoms, our liberties that we, that we like to hold on to, right? The right to bear arms, uh, the freedom of speech. These things are, are very important to us. But imagine that those things are stripped away. But, but beyond that, imagine that every day you're told when to wake up, you're told what to eat, when to eat, how much to eat, told when to go to work, where to work. You have no choice in in your career. You have no choice to to advance in that career. Everything is controlled for you. As I already mentioned, there's a prevailing sense of fear, and that fear is almost tangible. And that's how you live your life, not knowing that there is freedom not knowing a concept of freedom, not knowing what a sense of freedom would even feel like. With that in mind, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Matthew. And we'll come back to that scenario a little bit later on. But for now, let's go to the book of Matthew and chapter number 9. Matthew chapter number 9. We're going to start in verse 36 and we're going to work our way through verses 37 and 38, but I want us to first look at verse number 36 here. It says this, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with, with, sorry, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You know, there's something I want us to see here, and that's simply the compassion of the Savior, the compassion of Jesus Christ. You know, as Jesus looks upon the multitude, 
He has compassion on them for a couple reasons. One is because they fainted. You know, oftentimes when we look at Scripture and when, when we, we um, choose to study a certain verse, we look for some hidden truth, right? We look for some, some deeper meaning within that truth. And you know, we'll get out our commentaries, we'll get out our, our Greek lexicons, or from the Old Testament, we'll get, our, get out our, our Hebrew, our, I don't know, I didn't take Hebrew. We'll get all our Hebrew books and we'll, we'll do all these different things. We'll try to find some hidden truth in the passage that we're studying. But one thing that I learned in school, and one thing that I often forget that I learned in school, is simply that if the plain sense makes common sense, seek no other sense. See, here in this passage, there's not really hidden, there's not really hidden meaning, meaning. There's not some deep sense of compassion that we could never understand. In fact, what Jesus is experiencing here is the same kind of compassion that you and I are capable of. And Jesus here looks out in the multitude and he has compassion on them. Why? Well, because they fainted. He has compassion on them because they were weary. They, were, they had been traveling. They had been, been following him for quite some time and they were tired. He had compassion on them because they were oppressed by their, their, their Roman rulers. He had compassion on them because many of them were sick. And in fact, if you look just a few verses ahead, they were, he, had, he had been spending time in that multitude, healing some of them. He had compassion on them because they, were, they, they, they had loved ones who were passing away. He had compassion on them simply because they were living the life of, of everyday people. And I want us to understand here this morning that the compassion that Jesus Christ had on the people that he saw out there is the same kind of compassion that you and I can have for the people of Shano, that you and I can have for the people of the state of Wisconsin, that you and I can have for the people of the Philippines or the people of Canada. There's not some hidden meaning in this passage. It's something that Jesus Christ had compassion. He had, I guess you could say, he had a love for the people that he saw. Moving on then, Another reason he had compassion on them, it says, and they were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Let's take a look at a passage here, uh, the, book of, the book of Psalm, probably something very familiar to each one of us here. Psalm 23. In fact, some could probably quote this fairly easily. See, here's the Lord, the good shepherd, right, looking out upon a multitude seeing them as sheep, uh, being scattered abroad, having no shepherd. And let's keep that in mind as we read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, a flock of sheep without a shepherd is vulnerable to the dangers of the wild. 
It has no protection from predators. It has no entrance to shelter. It has no guidance to safe water and feeding grounds. Likewise, a people without a shepherd has no way to stand against Satan. It has no comfort in trying times and has no access to the tender mercies of the Savior. A person without the good shepherd is doomed to face everlasting judgment. Jesus Christ, as he's looking out upon the people, he's seeing not only their physical needs, he's seeing not only the, 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 the trying times that people are facing, but he's seeing their spiritual need. Now I ask you today, when you look out upon the people, when, you, when, when you're at the gas station, when you're at Walmart, when you're at the post office, when you're uh, just walking down the street, when you're um, interacting with your neighbors, how do you see those people? Do you have compassion on them as the Savior had compassion on the multitudes? Do you see them as, as, just, as just people or do you see them as people who are lost, scattered abroad, no shepherd, no one to guide them, no one protect them, no one to guide them into truth? That is the kind of compassion that you and I are able to have. The same compassion that Jesus Christ had on the multitudes. See, just as Jesus Christ wept when, when Lazarus died, just as, just as Jesus um, sweat drops of tear, sorry, sweat drops of blood in Gethsemane, he, he we too can feel that emotion. I guess what I'm trying to get here, get at here is that Jesus is simply experiencing humanity. And he's setting an example for us. Verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. It's kind of interesting here. The compassion of Jesus, if you look through Scripture, if you look through the, um, look through the Gospels, the times that Jesus has compassion... It's always followed by something. Matthew 20, um, verses 30 through 34, And behold, two blind men sitting by, the way, sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they, um, sorry, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus called them and said, What will ye that I do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So he had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Matthew, sorry, Mark 8 verse 2. I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And they had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled. 
And they took up the broken meat that was left, seven baskets. Matthew 14, verse 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude as it was moved with compassion, and he healed their sick. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus is having compassion on people, and he, it's, it's leading him to some kind of action. It's leading him to do something. But in this passage, the action's a little bit different. He's not performing some great miracle. He's not feeding a, a multitude of people. He's not raising someone from the dead. He's not causing blind to see. He's not causing the, the lame to walk. Instead, he's giving a simple commandment. And he's saying, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Before that, he makes a simple statement. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. I don't know if any of you have ever uh, worked in a field or not. Growing up in Kansas, I had the opportunity one time uh, for a couple weeks to work in a field, and I hated it. Um, <laughs> I, wasn't really, I wasn't really doing um, the work of a farmer. I was, I was working for a farmer. And this field, um, so in Kansas, we have a lot of sunflower seeds, or sunflowers, I guess, that produce sunflower seeds, right? Um, interesting thing about sunflowers is they're very closely related to pigweed. So if there's a lot of pigweed in the sunflower fields, you can't spray the pigweed, okay, or else you will kill the sunflowers. So to get rid of those weeds, you got to go out and you got to cut them down. You know, go out with a hoe or with a, with, a, with a shovel, something like that. You've got to get out there and you've just got to work row by row taking care of those weeds. As a young man, um, as, a, as a young teenage boy, I should say, uh, my youth director came to me and my best friend at the time, Seth Castle, and said, I've got a job for you guys. You're going to love it. He said, come out with me and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll show you something here. I said, all right, let, let's go. He drove us out to this field and we got out there. And he took us to the side of the field that didn't have a lot of weeds. I, I'm pretty sure he did this on purpose. I don't know. Uh, I think he was being a little bit deceitful. But he took us to the side of the field that didn't have a lot of weeds. And he said, this job is really simple. You just got to go through the field. And if you see a weed, you got to kill it. And he said, you'll get you know, a certain amount of money from this farmer. And we're like, okay, yeah, sure, we'll do this. Well, week and a half in, uh, we, were, we were dying. It was hot. Um, humid, the, the sunflowers, they kind of, they, they stick to you, they, they tear your clothes, you know, if you're working with a hammer, or sorry, with a shovel and things, and, and you get blisters on your hands, me and my friend, the, the harvest of weeds was plenteous that week and a half. And you know what? Me and Seth were not enough to get the job done. We called in a couple friends, um, we said, hey, we'll give you guys like 20 bucks if you guys come out with us for one day. And they're like, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll come out with you. Um, I think there were three of them. They come out and um, they tried. We tried. We killed as many weeds as we could. And by the time we were done, the farmer felt really sorry for us. He ended up paying us even more uh, than, than what he had agreed to. And the sad thing is that that field of, of sunflowers ended up dying. Our work, was, our work was in vain. That's not really 
um, important to the story here. I just want you to feel sorry for me a little bit. <laughs> but there was plenty to do. But there weren't enough of us to get it done in a timely manner. And Jesus is saying here, the harvest of souls is plenteous. There are plenty of souls. And as, as I read this, I kind of imagine in a way that Jesus is standing up on a hill. And he's looking out upon the multitudes and, and he turns to his disciples that are behind him. And so the disciples have a perfect view of everyone that's there in front of them. And Jesus says to them, the harvest truly is plenteous. But the labors are few. And they have that perfect vision of what Jesus wants them to do. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Let me ask you, do you pray for laborers? Are you, are you burdened that the Lord would, would send forth laborers? And yes, I'm talking about praying for missionaries. I'm praying about, I'm sorry, I'm talking about praying for me. I'm talking about praying for, for Brother Will here and for, for Alex Tingbani who will be here for the Sanderlands. Yes, I'm talking about praying for them, but let me ask you something. Do you pray for your children that they would be sent into the harvest? Do you pray for yourselves that you would be sent into the harvest? It's, kind of, it, it's really interesting to note here that Jesus, after telling his disciples to pray that the Lord would send laborers into his harvest, what does Jesus do? He sends them into his harvest. He sends them to, to speak with the Jews. He sends them to, to, to do miracles. And when the Jews reject Jesus and when, when Jesus is crucified, and he, he, he comes back to life, and he's speaking with the disciples. He gives them what? He gives them the Great Commission. He says, go ye into the, all the world and preach the gospel. I think a lot of times, people do not pray for the harvest, for laborers to go into the harvest, because maybe they're a little bit afraid that they'll be one of those laborers that is sent. You know, I can promise you this, that as you pray for laborers to be sent in the field, you will be sent. You may not be sent to Canada. You may not be sent to the Philippines. You may not be sent to another state even. But you will be sent. God desires to use you just as he wanted to use the disciples. He wants to use you in his harvest. Are you willing to pray? You know, I, I started off with, with a little bit of a scenario. I was imagining we were in, in, in a place that was, it was dominated by fear. You know, the truth is there, there are places like that in the world. There, there are tribes who, um, who suffer from, from that prevailing sense of fear. There are entire countries that are dominated by fear. But, you know, there are people here in Shano, there are people here in our own country that are dominated by fear. And I don't mean to be political at all here this morning, but, but just think of, of, of the pandemic and everything that, is, that has come about because of that. People are scared. Of what? They're scared of death. 
And they want to control this one thing. If they can have control over this, this one aspect of, of fear, they'll be okay. Not just with that, but with the, the, the whole, um, uh, what's it called? Climate change. And things like that. They, they, they want to be, able to be able to control something. Because if they can, then maybe they'll live, what? A little bit longer. They're dominated by fear. And what do we have? We have the answer to that fear. But we keep it to ourselves. We're not willing to go. We're not willing to pray. We're content to, 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 to hide this answer for ourselves and for our own families. Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to be part of that, that workforce in the harvest? I have an illustration here somewhere. I've lost myself in the notes. Or lost myself out of the notes, I guess. I don't know. William Carey, um, considered the father of modern-day missions, as a young man, became burdened for the country of India. And he presented that burden to some elders. And they laughed at him. <clears throat> Sent him away, basically without a, without a second thought. But that burden that William Carey had... Um, it didn't go away. So he began preparing. He began studying the language. He began studying the, the country, studying charts of, uh, from, from Captain, I believe it was Cook at the time, and making a plan to be able to, to, to get into India and share the gospel. And through this time, he also uh, became, I believe, a pastor. There's a time he, he went to a meeting again to, to present his burden for the people of India And one of the men told him, young man, sit down. And he said something to the effect of, if the Lord desires to save the heathen, he will do so without your help or mine. Horrible story. but so many of us live our lives that way. The Lord wants to reach people. He can do it without me. The Lord wants to reach Shano. He doesn't need my help. He's got others to help him. In my job that I have, I, 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 work, um, I work lawn care. Um, in, in, our, in our shop, we have pellets of of fertilizer. And as we empty a pallet of fertilizer, the person who empties that fertilizer, empties that pallet or finishes that pallet off, is supposed to take that pallet out into the back of the shop and put it out there out of the way, right? Sometimes, though, some people, I'll be honest, myself included, we get in a hurry. And we empty that pallet and, and we leave the empty one there. And we say, the next person will do it. You know what ends up happening? The pellet sits there. And it sits there. And it sits there. 
And so the boss finally gets mad and he yells at us and we go do what we're supposed to do. Listen, the Lord doesn't want to get mad at us and yell at us and tell us what to do. He has given us his vision. He's given us his burden. It's our job to simply say yes. Are you willing to do that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time you've given us here this morning. Lord, I pray that there would be someone here throughout the week or even today, Lord, that you would, you would touch their heart to be burdened for missions. You would touch their heart to be burdened to, to follow you in ministry in some place. Lord, I pray that each one of us, Lord, here, myself included, that we would become prayer warriors. Praying for you to send laborers into your harvest. Lord, again, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.